a Podcast One production. Paul Selig is considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. A spiritual experience in 1987 left him clairvoyant. As a way to gain context for what he was beginning to experience, he studied a form of energy healing and began to hear for his clients. Whether or not you believe that channeler Paul Selig is in touch with guidance from a higher source, the truth of his words and their effect on those around him are undeniable. Through Paul, the guides say, you cannot be the light and hold another in darkness. In this intimate conversation, Paul and I go on a spiritual journey. We speak about not defining yourself by your external world, the power of forgiveness and the effects of choosing love over fear. The guides have said again and again and again, they said the action of fear is to claim more fear. They said, look at every choice you've ever made because you're afraid and see what it got you. And more than likely, you're going to see you got more fear. So when we stop choosing in fear, we begin to have a very different relationship with reality. I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is A Life of Greatness. Working as a podcast and radio producer, I have been fortunate enough to cross paths with many intriguing people who have had a profound impact on me. In this series, I share stories and experiences from the people who have brought inspiration to my life and hopefully yours too. Paul Selig is a best-selling author of many channel texts. Some of his books include Beyond the Known, The Book of Freedom and The Book of Mastery. In this episode, you'll understand how when you embrace the unknown, you allow your life to unfold in the most magical of ways. I started by asking Paul, who are these guides that talk through him? Well, I mean, they've called themselves different things in the books. You know, teachers, I heard Ascended Masters in the first book. The, the name that they come through with is Melchizedek when they come through with a name, which is a very old name. That seems to be a priesthood. Um, my favorite definition that they've given is, you know, we are who you become when you know who you are. Or they've called themselves the true self. Now, the true self is um, another phrase that describes the Christ consciousness, you know, the divine within as expressed without. So, you know, it's a collective. I hear we. There's one guy that I see on occasion who's quite wonderful to see, Mm. but I'm always surprised when I see him because I kind of love the way he is and how he appears. What does he look like? Well... You know, I've seen him. The first time I saw him was it was actually under hypnosis, and I couldn't believe it because out of the book, I wasn't looking to be hypnotized for this. I just wanted to lose 20 pounds. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, the hypnotist said, now your guide is coming in. And I was, what? And all of a sudden, there he was. And, you know, he was, he had a long beard. It was quite long, and he had beautiful, beautiful, deep blue eyes. Mm. And he wore an odd hat. It had a bit of a widow's peak at the top, and it was like a hood cowl almost and with a great big tall it's almost like i don't know what you'd call it like a a a tube of a hat with a bit of a a flat pancake on top of it like you'd see a graduation it was something a robe you know and was purple and he was he was lovely you know and kind and that's what i remember experiencing the most was the depth of love and kindness and 
And then I saw him once again in a guided meditation that I didn't want to be at. Like I was at somebody else's guide meditation. I was being tolerant. I hate those things. And this woman said, and now you're all going to go down into a ravine. It was this endless endless meditation you're walking down a hill there's a ravine i was like get it over with hated every minute of it and then she said and now your guide is going to come and this is in a room full of people and i'm lying they're going oh yeah right and all of a sudden i hear this commotion and up above the hill that i just walked down there he was barreling down the hill carrying these two scrolls that look kind of like the torah and i'm not even jewish you know under his arms basically he had been summoned and wasn't all that thrilled. Oh my God, that's epic. And he said to me, because I had just done a very weird interview with somebody who kept saying to me, how do you know that this isn't just you, you know, doing that? How do you know? And I kept saying, you know, I gave all the reasons, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm there stuttering. And the guide comes barreling down the hill and all he says to me is, stop trying to tell people who you are you don't even know. <laughs> and he left. And that was it. And it was like the perfect answer. Basically, you know, you don't know. Back off. So That's those wonderful. that was my visual experiences with the guides. Other people see them. I have people that are more clairvoyant than I that come to my workshops and describe them. I've heard a bunch of monks line up behind me sometimes. But it's a very loving energy. And they seem to know a hell of a lot more than I do. And at that level, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. What did they say to you that then uh, was led you to writing all the books that that you have written uh, via channeling them? I actually sit in the chair. I close my eyes. I hear one phrase repeated, and then I finally give voice to the phrase, and then the rest of it just tumbles out. And the books are done over usually a period of thirty days or so of sittings. Um, all I, I was doing a group that met in my apartment and I did this group for 18 years quietly because I was a college teacher in New York City and I wasn't looking to be known and I had no expect, I had writer's block, terrible writer's block. I couldn't imagine writing a book, let alone a book in two weeks, which is what the first one took. Um, and the guides turned to somebody and they said, you know, Paul's not going to believe what's coming through him until he sees it written down. Yeah. And I hadn't been recording the sessions because I don't like to hear myself channel. It's strange mm. and a little spooky and clumsy. And I, you know, I didn't want to record it. Yeah. And especially I thought if they say something wrong, I'll never do this again. And I was enjoying it. Yeah. But the following week I did record and I did transcribe. And once I became willing to do that, then it was okay. And I was probably transcribing only for a month or two. And the guide said to somebody, you know, we have a book to write. And if you take two weeks, we'll do it. Yeah. And at that moment in my life, I just didn't care. So I said, okay. And it, it happened, much to my amazement. And now there are seven in print and an eighth one that's ready to go, you know, that's already completed. So it's a little astonishing to me if I try to break it down and really think about it practically. Reading Beyond the Known, obviously it's a, it came to me at such a fundamental time in my life where for years everything needed to be known and, and stepping into the unknown was absolutely not going to happen because you know day to day what happens in your life. You are controlling of organising life for it to be a certain way. And a couple of years ago I started getting into a lot of this work and there are a few teachers that do teach this kind of stuff you create from the unknown and it is so unbelievably scary but for me I found that taking those leaps of faith and just letting life 
unfold for you and having the confidence to be able to know that life will lead me in the way that it's supposed to if I can just trust. And my life has unraveled in the most beautiful way. And that is a huge part of this text. As far as the unknown is concerned, like what have you learned from this? I don't know. I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard question for me because I've now dictated all of these books and I am not the best student of the work, you know, I, and the reason is that the work comes through me Yes. and I still am going, who the hell am I? You know, if you channel the book, I could go, wow, this is amazing. And I'm going, I know that it's, I know that it's real. I know this is an authentic experience. And I also have this experience with all of the teachings, which is it resonates as true. Mm. And if I have a question, I interrupt the channeling. And I say, and I ask for explanation, and they generally give it to me. And that happens even in the sessions for the books. It happens most times that I channel where they'll say, Paul has a question. I actually and love when they say that because usually whatever you're thinking, I'm thinking as well. Paul yeah. needs to stop right now because he needs to kind of understand or Paul has yeah. a question. He doesn't believe what we're saying. I, I yeah. love that they include that and that you include that. Well, it's necessary. I, you know, in the very first book, you know, I don't know that we had a system where they would say Paul is interrupting. They would draw Paul has a question. They would just answer my question because mm. my questions are silent. We're speaking. My, com yes. my communication with the guys is, is basically telepathic. And they've gotten much better about including the reader there. You know, my life is so completely different in many ways than it was even five years ago. You know, um, I do this work now full time. I left a career. I left the known in every way, shape or form. Is my life the way my small self wants it right now? No, I complain all the time when I wish I didn't because I would have a much happier time, I suspect, if I didn't. But I understand at a certain level that there's a phenomena here that is beyond my comprehension. I may never really know how it works. And even when I go, you know, what the hell is this? I know that I'm simply, as Paul, not capable of sitting in a chair, closing my eyes and dictating, you know, six, eight books now that don't require any editing. And they get transcribed and published as is. I mean, that is what happens. Can I tell you something that happened with me in your book? And it actually yeah. only happened yesterday. I've obviously uh -huh. been listening to it every day. Mm -hmm. And all these synchronicities started to happen to me. I was thinking of a certain person and within two seconds that person who is not a person I see every day was standing right in front of me and then basically was asking me about an opportunity that they wanted me to get involved in and then I was thinking about someone that I wanted to interview on the podcast someone I've never met or never seen an enter Australian entertainer I was literally going up the lifts at work, the lifts open, and that entertainer was standing in front of the in front of the lift. She'd just been mm -hmm. interviewed on one of our radio stations, and I ended up having a conversation with her about being on the podcast. Yeah. And then literally throughout that day, three times I thought of different people. Within one second, a person would then email me. I would get a phone call from a person. Mm -hmm. Extraordinary. Yeah. It's so yeah. unbelievably beautiful. And you cannot feel that you're not connected to a higher source yeah. when things like that happen. Well, you're opening up also, I suspect, to energy. Mm. And, you know, the person, you know, that, you know, when you think about somebody and the phone rings and it's them, that person is probably already in your field. 
you know, what, you know, dialing your number and you're feeling that. I mean, that's how I work. You know, mm. I step into people that I've never met and sort of become them. It's really, you know, once sort of the membrane gets less thin, you know, gets less thick, I mean, gets more available, we have access to experience that's well beyond the norm. I'm used to this stuff now. It doesn't phase me. But the fact that you're getting the support, you know, as you're opening up is really, I think, wonderful. And I often find that people, when they're first opening up to this stuff, get a lot of proof. And I got a lot of proof at the beginning as well, which was enough to sort of keep me on board for the times which, which were harder, where I was really being challenged to, you know, understand this. I came into this work, you know, in New York City when I was in my mid-20s, mm. early 30s at the height of the AIDS epidemic, where people I knew and gone to school with were dying all around me. Awesome. And I was volunteering at a center. Um, I had studied a form of energy healing, and I began to hear for other people when my hands were on them. That's how I opened up. And so if I had my hands on somebody's chest and I heard the name Frank, I, I learned to say who's Frank, and they'd say my father, my lover, my son, my dog, my husband, whatever. And as it kept getting affirmed, that's what allowed me to trust. And the abilities that I have now came from continually showing up with a willingness to learn, to trust and to learn to be in discernment about that. And it sounds like you're getting a wonderful boost it in is. your own awareness through the synchronicity. It's great. And I think it, it was in your book, there was something, and this is completely being paraphrased, this is not what the gods have written, but basically once there is a knowing, you can never go back. Yeah. And I feel that's so true. Once you've had these experiences and I, you know, through doing a lot of other people's work as well, once you mm-hmm. have these, it's just, you just know that there's something more to life than what yeah. is in front of us. Yeah, it changed everything for me. I mean, that changed everything. You know, the world is far different than I was led to believe. And I understand through what the guides are teaching now even though that I don't walk around as the guides say, you know, speak to, they say, you know, they're saying now in their teachings, and this is particularly true in the book that is yet to come out, they're saying that humanity's only real problem is what they call the denial of God or the mm. denial of the divine. That's it. It's the only problem. That's it. You know, is that we've denied God in ourselves and consequently in everybody else. Mm. So we live in separation. And they talk about what they call the kingdom. And they say the kingdom is the realization of the divine and manifestation and everything you see. And I'm not going to say that I walk around the streets of New York City seeing the divine in everyone. Mm. Although according to the, the guides, it can be done. And that's where they're bringing us to that level or they say octave of vibration where, you know, the truth of who you are is what's essentially expressing all the time. And in agreement, the God within you is in agreement to the God that exists in all manifestation. It's another another way of being. And I have to say, because I've, I almost wanted to say endured the channeling of all of these texts, you know, like one a year, I want it, you know, I, I like I've shown up, you know, I'm ready for mine. And I have to say, I'm probably getting it <laughs> yeah. too, which is even funnier. The guide said to me in a channeling, and they don't talk to me a lot in front of people, but sometimes it's the only way to get my attention. Yes. They said to me, you know, Paul, you're actually, they said, Paul is actually in the upper room now. He just doesn't know it. 
he still thinks he's downstairs, but he's not. So maybe, maybe it's true. I've made enough of the lift upwards and I'm still sort of, you know, pretending I'm not because it's easier to navigate <laughs> through the old hallways than the new ones. Can we, let's talk about that because in uh, Beyond the Known Realization, you speak a lot about the upper room and I think it's such yeah. a fabulous way of expressing, you know, that, that kind of divinity. But can you explain to everyone what that upper room is? Well, they talk about the upper room as another level of an, an octave above ours. The guides say that we, all of us here, are operating in a shared octave of vibration. And they say octaves have high and low notes. You know, there's highs and lows, but we're all in this shared experience. And they say any piece of music can be played in any octave up into infinity. And what they're doing, they say, is they're transposing the music that we are to what they call the upper room, which mm. is, they say, the octave above. So that as we begin to resonate at that level, by by nature of vibrational accord, we begin lifting what we encounter to us, which is, they say, how a world is made new. Their definition of the upper room has been Christ mind, that level of consciousness. And they say it's where we can be realized at this level while we still maintain form. Mm. But there are other levels beyond this, but this is where you can embody while still holding, you know, the body. What's interesting about what the guides teach is they don't exclude the body from the teaching. So they talk about lifting all things, including the forms that we have taken. Yeah to the upper room, which is to a new level of resonance. So that's a way of describing it. There's certainly more. How do you think people would realize that they were in that upper room? There's no fear. You're not afraid. Yes. And then you're not choosing in fear. Mm. And if you're not choosing, the guides have said again and again and again, they said the action of fear is to claim more fear. They say, look at every choice you've ever made because you were afraid and see what it got you. And more than likely, you're going to see you got more fear. So when we stop choosing in fear, we begin to have a very different relationship with reality. So that's one way. And um, let me, I'm going to ask, and I should say this because if I channel on your show, when I channel, I whisper the words and repeat them. And it sounds very clumsy, but that's just how it comes out. So I'm just going to see if there's any other, I mean, the question is, how do we know when we're in the upper room? Because you've embodied there. Because you've embodied there. It is home to you. It is home to you. It's how you know yourself. It's how you know yourself in recognition, in recognition with your world. There is no question. There is no question. Am I in the upper room? Am I in the upper room? You know quite well where you are. You know quite well where you are because what you have aligned to, because what you have aligned to without question, without question is the source of all things is the source of all things that indeed can be known through you, that indeed can be known through you, period. And they're saying period. You talk about love and fear, and that's something that I've thought of for a long time. And the mm -hmm. way that I look at life now, and especially after reading your book, any you know, any big conversations I have to have at work, any things that don't go my way, life just in general, I have completely changed the way that I look at things because fear is huge. You know, no one's life, even, 
you know, the, the most spiritual of people's things don't go your way a lot of the time. But if you look at those things that haven't gone your way through love, and you speak about this in the book, the experience of what is brought forward to you is not scary. It is not scary. Mm. And now I look at everything that I get. If if things don't work out, you know what? They weren't supposed to be that way. And that's okay, no. completely okay. And mm-hmm. it makes life so much easier to just navigate through. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah you're farther along than the book you just read. I mean, the, the book that's coming out next up next summer talks a it. lot about it talks a lot about shoulds, you know, mm. and and how our expectations and our planning are all really based in prior history. It's all based in prior learning. They say you can't should without an expectation born in the past. This should be this way. Bay is always, you know, harking back to something old, which they say takes us right out of the present moment, which is the only place that we can know anything. Mm. You know, so the alignment that you're speaking to seems to come from being in the now. And they say, because that's when the true self is present and can be known. They say, you didn't know yesterday and you can't know tomorrow. You can only know now. And the claims that they make, which were attunements, I know who I am in truth, I know what I am in truth, I know how I serve in truth, are all about bringing you back there to that place of presence. It's, you know, being in the present moment is obviously a key thing in life and spirituality, and it's a very buzzword for the moment as well, you know, mindfulness and all this kind of stuff. And I know there are so many people that really try to do it. And it, for myself, I find it hard sometimes, you know, you being in the present moment next minute, I'm thinking about yeah. what I'm going to do tomorrow, all the things yeah. I have to, you know. Right. I mean, when they talk about, you know, the upper room, sometimes they, 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 they use a lot of metaphors, but sometimes they say, you know, imagine that you've been living on the fifth floor and now, you know, there's a, a, an apartment on the 10th floor and everything that you've known is on the fifth floor, your scrapbooks and the family photos and, your ex's clothing at the back of the closet, you know, and all of this stuff. And so you're offered this opportunity for the new. And, you know, you go up there for a minute and you say, oh my God, I can't live without the family photo album. And you go right back down to the known. So it's it's safer. It's what we've known. You know, my unhappiness in my life is familiar to me. You know, it's comfortable. It's whether ways I have known myself through habit or through tradition, you know, that I rest on at the cost of what might be available to me beyond that. And the guides are pretty good at calling that out, I suspect, because, you know, the the challenge of a day is the choice of a day. It's always in the present moment. It's nowhere else. It is, and that's so true. And I think if we just tackle what's in front of us right then and there, there's no worries about how that will then, you know, affect us in a week's time or, you know, mm-hmm. ex, you know, then how will we tackle this or do that? It is just deal with what we have for that moment and so much can unfold when you do that. Mm-hmm. You talk a lot about moving beyond judgment, which is seeing everyone on an equal plane and, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not my job or title at work or clothes I wear or assets I own, you know, we are all equal. And to me that's mm-hmm. been a huge a huge movement for me as far as growth's concerned because when you look at everyone as being the same and equal and as you mentioned a lot, the divine is in everyone and if it is not in you, then it's not 
in your worst enemy. Mm-hmm. If it's not in your worst enemy, then it's not in you either. And mm-hmm. the way that you look at people is so different and it, it gives you such a kind lens and such a lens of love as yeah. well. It, yeah. I find that very special. I mean, it's one of the things I love about their teaching. You know, they're not, it's not a race, you know, you can't be more spiritual than the person next to you. Everybody's here to learn in their own way. So I, I find it very comforting. Um, you know, it, it's challenging sometimes because, you know, I want to get angry and I can get angry. And, you know, and the guys, you know, talk about self-righteousness as always being what they call the small self. And the small mm. self, they say, is the personality structure. The personality structure that knows itself through history. You know, I should be the best at this. I have to be right. I should look a certain way or have this or that to be who I think I am. So I'm always protecting an identity. So I understand what they're saying. I mean, they go so far sometimes as to say, you know, um, I think the example recently, and then maybe in, in this book or the book that followed, you know, the they said that the wealthy man and, and the beggar are both learning lessons about abundance in just different ways Mm. and it's you that make one better than the other you know they're equal they're equal in their being you know one of the the guides have said again and again and again you have a right to be you know that can't be taken you're already at the party you know we're seeking to equate our worth with our, our our presence in the world through these things we've been taught to value and the guides say, you know, you're the one that makes the diamond more valuable than the lump of coal. Mm, you know, I love that's that, you that giving, giving meaning. Yeah, it is. It is. That is. That was such a like a strong part of the book. The diamond and the lump of coal are actually equal. We give value and meaning to the diamond to make it better. And mm-hmm. if you do go through your life, and I found this, and you look at everyone as being the same. A, you know, for those big meetings or anything you have, there's no anxiety there that someone is better than you. It's you are Mm -hmm. all the same. And, you know, you never look at anyone as being any less than you either because there is – I had to get on a phone call the other day and it was someone who was telling me some news that wasn't great about – you know, uh, an event that had occurred. And I know that they had to ring a lot of people to tell them about something. And I immediately got really angry in my head thinking, oh, this isn't great. And this poor lady, she's got this job of having to call every single person and tell them about this thing that's happened. And then I thought to myself, and seriously, it's come from reading a book. I thought, she's the same as me. She doesn't want to do this. And what's getting angry at her going to do? It's not going to do anything. So just by listening to her and being kind and telling her in a kind way, you know, my opinion on the matter because she did ask, but giving her love and and support. And you know what? I got off that conversation and she, I could feel that she was so happy Mm. that someone had been able to accept the information, even though I didn't like it, um, but still treat her as exactly the same as me because we are all just souls. Yeah. You got it. You know, I mean, it's, it's the teaching, you know, you can't have, you know, if you want to divine, deny the divine in anybody, you're denying it in yourself. You can't really have it both ways. The guides have said again and again and again, you can't be the light and hold another in darkness. It's the height of hypocrisy, but it just doesn't work. 
you can't be the light. And they say, what you damn damns you back. Well, you know, that's true. Bless, bless, it's true. It's really simple. Has you know? that changed the way that you are with people in your everyday life? Yeah, I think it actually has. Um, you know, I still get worried or scared. You know, I'm shy by nature and the work I do has made me become more public in a way that's not always comfortable. Mm. But I get it, you know. I'm able, I'm, when I'm channeling, I really get it because the guides are coming through me. And when I'm channeling, sometimes the guides will step in very fully and stand in front of each person and, and work with them individually. And it's an astonishing experience because the love that I experience for the people before me is staggering. Wow. I mean, it's unlike anything that I get to. If I could walk around 24-7 like that, I, I would. And perhaps one day I will be, but I think that's where they're taking it. I mean, it's an what odd thing. What does it I feel think. like? It feels like... It feels like there could never be anything wrong. And that any belief anybody is holding about being wrong, fundamentally wrong, fundamentally flawed or shamed can't exist in that interaction. Um, it's astonishing. I mean, I don't walk around feeling that way about myself. When the guides step in, and it's a very physical thing, I've been told my eyes turn blue. You know, I have hazel eyes. They're darker. Yeah. But and the energy is astonishing to me. So that's a gift that I get from this. But I, you know, I was a college teacher for many years and I learned, I think teaching was my spiritual practice. I was never a good meditator, mm. but you know, I used to sort of fall in love with a whole class at a certain point and they really? fall in love with each other. Oh yeah, it was great. I love that about it. And it was a great thing to be a part of for all those years, you know, and it was a similar kind of experience because, you know, you, if you have a, a student who thinks that they're stupid you don't teach to the you don't teach to the stupidity you teach to the inherent brilliance mm. of the student that's who's there waiting to be recognized and you don't agree with the person who thinks that they're shameful or wrong you know you agree with the part of them that knows inherently their worth because that's the true self you know, the guides say the true self always knows who she is. You know, the personality self's the one wearing this big old mask. And what happens in the next book is they take the masks off us. And that's a bitch. I got to tell you, I've never been through anything like that one. And I never want to go through it again. That was something. How do you uh, perceive, just talking about this, how do you perceive the ego? And I know that's probably a lot within this, the small self. And I know yeah. that's something that we will always have, but something that obviously they kind of touch on in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot to it because I, the guides talk about the small self and it's an, as the personality structure, egoic structure. But, you know, it's not about eradicating that, mm. you know. If they, the guides say you still have to know whose child to pick up at daycare, you know. I mean, it's good to know what your name is and what your kid's name is. Exactly. And, you know, what the speed limit is. 
But they do say that it's that the small self is assumed or incorporated into the higher um, and held there. So this may this is the illustration I like. When I was in my early 30s and I was having a difficult time, and I'm, I always say I'm 99% sure that I heard this from the guides. It was yeah. when I was just really opening up and I wrote it down and I stuck it in a book where it remained for years. I heard freedom will come when the throne relinquishes its king. Ugh, and I didn't know what it meant, but that's the whole teaching, mm. which is who's sitting in the throne. Is it the small self who wants everything his or her way as he or she was taught to expect to prove his or her ideas about who he or she is, or is it the true self? And they say the true self governs, you know, uh, a very different kingdom. You know, and that's the presence of the divine. Now, it's not that you, you're not beheading the small self. The small self just isn't the ruler, isn't the one running the show. And that's the agreement that gets made here, if I understand it. That's exquisite that they said that to you so many years ago. It's almost like a riddle, and then you've had to work it out over time. Well, I suppose it's possible I heard it somewhere and wrote it down, but I really don't think so. And it's so consistent with everything that's come so consistent. since, you know, it's like, oh, okay, now, you know, but I'm, you know, I've been in my own process with this work since the very beginning of it. I, I had an experience a few years later of sort of feeling and knowing that everybody was exactly where they were supposed to be. It lasted for a few days. It, it totally was revelatory. And I had this burning, burning, burning in my heart center that just kept going. And mm. that burning is something that I miss. You know, it's an, it's an astonishing experience to, to have that flame Amazing. inside lit. You know, it's, that's it. But, but the fact that I had that kept me going. Mm. Do you understand that? It I was do. like, okay, that's it. You know, you're in or you're out, yeah. and you can't forget it once you you've can't. experienced it. It it's is just, like, I mean, it. I haven't had as big experiences as you, but I, I really hope to one day. But it is, it's as we kind of spoke about earlier, once you have those little things that happen in life, you're like, there's no going back from this. Like, there's only moving forward. There's only learning more. Yeah, there is. And, I, you know, I, I needed a couple of big bangs on the head to keep me going. Yeah. I did, you know. I... And still, and I wish I wasn't too self-involved, too self. I mean, I still have all my stuff. It's different than it was. And it's not as terrible as it was by a million, you know, by, by light years. But I'm still aware of, of these things. But I'm also aware that we seem to get what we need to keep us moving forward as we can handle it. 100%. You know? Yeah. People now, you know, sometimes I see people, they're having very large experiences with, you know, plant medicine or, or you know, they're very, very large. But then the, the gift is to integrate that mm. into your daily life. So it doesn't remain this outside thing. You know, we have to be here in this higher state of, of realization. And I feel personally that we we're given it as we can hold it. Like the guides sometimes say, you know, you don't want to put a hundred watts of electricity, a voltage into a 25 watt bulb. You'll blow the, you'll blow it open. But what they do is they, we continue to get what we can manage. And then it starts feeling normal, which is the nice thing. 
it stops being exotic at all. It's just the way you live your life. It is amazing. I've found that as well. Mm -hmm. I am going to ask you a series of questions now that I do always ask a lot of our guests, Mm -hmm. but I would like Paul to answer the question first. And then if you wouldn't mind for the guides to answer the questions, what are some of the biggest teachings that you think you've received from channeling this text? Oh, the action of fear is to claim more fear. You can't be the light and hold another in darkness. I think those are the two big ones because mm. I can do that every day. They're very simple and tangible. That's, um, I love that one. You, you know, you can't be the light and hold someone in darkness. Can you explain a yeah. bit about that? That one is beautiful. Well, the guides say that what you put in darkness calls you to that darkness. Mm. So it's the idea of equivalency and vibrational accord. So in the book of mastery, they said, uh, imagine that you're, you're, you know, you walk into a cave and in that cave is the one person you never want to see again as long as you live. And now your, your opportunity and your challenge is to walk them out of the cave. And they say, because you put them in that darkness and they called you to the very darkness you put them in. So the whole point of forgiveness isn't about letting people off the hook. It's about self-liberation. Mm. Because if you want them in the darkness, you're going to join them. You know, if you deny the divine in anyone, you put them in darkness. To you deny it in yourself just as well. And that's the whole problem we have with separation. Yes. So that's one way of understanding it. And now for the guides, what do they think that Paul has learned through their teachings. Oh, my good. I don't know if I can do this one today <laughs> to trust himself a bit more. They were saying to trust himself a bit more to become more authentic, to become more authentic in his expression, to stop denying his goodness, to stop denying his goodness, which has been a challenge for him, which has been a challenge for him to understand others in love, to understand others in love, his ability to know them, and his ability to know them as worthy of love, as worthy of love, will indeed support him, will indeed support him and in realizing this for himself for himself this is a journey for him this is a journey for him as a small self as a small self his true self knows quite well his true self knows quite well why he has come why he has come and what the work is before him and what the work is before him we are simply waiting we are simply waiting for him to rely on that much more for him to rely on that much more than he gives credence to than he gives credence to i'm just going to interrupt because i want to know what that means trust the divine self trust the divine self that is his as you that is here as you would allow the small self and allow the small self to come along for the ride to come along for the ride or another time you will have a much better time okay that's that's nice that's i feel like that you already nice. knew that as well no i didn't you didn't matter I... of fact, some of it i knew but mm. I, I it was actually more generous than i thought i was going to get that's beautiful from them these days really you know, beautiful they, well they said to me at one point and if somebody asked the guides a question about me to me, mm. and the guide said, well, my job was to hold the door open for everybody else. And I went, well, that oh, just okay. stinks. <laughs> That's not what I want. Oh. But then I realized later, because at the end of the Book of Freedom, they yes. opened the doorway to the upper room. And they said, Paul, you get to come too, which was mm. really kind of amazing for me to hear. But I realized then that the doorway was the books. Yes. That's what the doorway was. And so that is my job. To Paul, hold your door. job is so important and it's changed so many people's lives. So, um, Paul, do you believe that praying works? Yes, I do. Absolutely. And now for the um, gods? 
course and yes. Of course and yes, because it's the phrase always expression, but you must understand that prayer is always expression. You're in prayer every moment of the day. You're in prayer every moment of the day because you're a constant reality, because you are in consort to a reality that you are choosing to agree to if you bring God. If you bring God, even the smallest idea of God, even the smallest idea of God to what you see, to what you see, you become a prayer. You become a prayer. You become the embodiment of the prayer. You become the embodiment of the prayer because you're in consort with God, because you're in consort with God, not in a small place, not in a small place with a lower brow, with a lowered brow, but in fullness, but in fullness as you live your lives, as you live your lives, period. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Do you, Paul, do you believe some things in life are destined and some are choices? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I don't know what I think of destiny, but I think that we do come with things that we are choosing to learn through. And those may be relationships or certain events that we call to ourselves for the purpose of learning. And if you want to call that fate or destiny, that's okay. But I also get that we have free will. Mm. So we can say no. When I was studying energy healing many years ago, um, I wanted to run from the class every day. Every day Why? I wanted to leave. I was, I was convinced I was the only person that didn't have the right to be there. Mm. Everybody else had the right to be there. It was like, who the hell was I, you know? And I went up to my teacher at the end of the weekend and I said, I really wanted to run away. Did I still get it? <laughs> and she said, yeah, you got it, you know. And had I run away, which was my choice, mm. I wouldn't be doing this now. You know, I, I, you know, had I said, when, you know, when the, if the guides had said, you know, we have a book to write, if you take two weeks, we'll do it. If I just said, that's ridiculous, we wouldn't be talking either. I did say yes, you know, so. There's a choice there in everything. There is choice, I believe, mm. yeah. And mm -hmm. do you think that some things are destined? I'm going to go to the guy. Do I think yes? No, I hear yes and no from the guides. Of course they are. Of course they are. But how you how you align to them? But how you align to them? Maybe in different ways. Maybe in very different ways. For example, for example, you've come to learn love. You have come to learn love. You may come from a good relationship. You may come to learn it through a good relationship or a hellish one or a hellish one. You will get the lesson regardless. You will get the lesson regardless, depending on how you align. Depending on how you align, it's all an opportunity to learn. It's all an opportunity to learn. I'm just going to interrupt. So is there such a thing as destiny? Yes and no. Yes and no. Again, through opportunity. Again, through opportunity. But how it presents itself. But how it presents itself is only one of many possibilities. Is only one of many possibilities. If you walk through the left door, not the right one. If you walk through the left door and not the right one, you may meet somebody differently. You may meet somebody differently on the other avenue, on the other avenue, which may change your life, which may change your life, period, period, period. You know, I, was, I mean, I'll say this, you know, because I was thinking about this today. Yeah. There was a little posting that went up online about how, you know, you don't know what the ramifications of your choices are and just smiling at a stranger may actually change the course of history. You don't know the trajectory of any choice you make. Mm. And I thought back to my own life and when I was 25 and I was just quitting drinking and somebody gave me a phone call out of the blue. I mean, I never, you know, and told me what to do. And I was stunned that somebody cared enough to call. And because this person cared enough to call some stranger, I actually did what he suggested. 
And I've, I've never seen that man again as long as I've lived really? 32 years. He may be dead. Completely changed mm. the course of my life. And, and frankly, everybody's life that I've interacted with ever since. You understand? We don't know what these things are. We mm. may never, you know? We may never. We're here to teach each other. That's the key. It is. It is. I feel the same. There are things, the choices that I've made in my life that have absolutely changed my life for for the better. And, um, you know, you're, you're so happy when, when that does happen. But as you mentioned, you know, you can, if you walk to the right instead of the left, the lesson will still be learnt regardless. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the last question, what is a life of greatness to you? I mean, I want to say a life of humility and joy. It's not about suffering. A life of, of full expression. That's really it. Full expression, whatever way that means. That means not denying yourself, not denying the divine, not denying anybody else either. So, and you want to ask the question to the guides? Yes, please. A life of greatness is any life. A life of greatness is any life. All lives are great. All lives are great. They are expressed differently, but one is no better than the next. But one is no better than the next. And you that makes it higher or lower. It's you that make things higher and lower. Here you learn here. This is what you came for. This is what you came for. And sometimes you learn through challenge. And sometimes you learn through challenge. Sometimes you learn through love. Sometimes you learn through love. Sometimes you learn through fear, but you also learn, but you will still learn. No life is greater than the next. No life is greater than the next. This will support you both. This will support you both on your journeys, on your journeys, period, period. Oh, that is absolutely beautiful. I just want to give my absolute love and gratitude to both you and to the guides mm. because, as I said earlier, it, this all the books you have written are magnificent and thank you so much. I can't wait for your newest book. Thank you. I appreciate that. Stay connected by following A Life of Greatness on Instagram at A Life of Greatness Podcast. For more information and to watch videos on this and other episodes, head to sarahgrimberg.com. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, rate and review A Life of Greatness on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. A Life of Greatness is a Podcast One Australia production. Executive producer is me, Sarah Grimberg. Audio producers, Matt Nikolic and Darcy Thompson. Special thanks to Grant Tothill for bringing this dream to life. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au.